Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.03 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It is the 14th day of August, 2023. This is episode 772 of Bitcoin, and I've started up the Regenerative Agriculture Resources book thread once again. We're trying for the third time here to do this thing. I used to keep, in case you're wondering what the hell I'm talking about, um, I used to keep a thread on Twitter when I was back over on Dead Bird site, and it was a thread of all of the regen agriculture or regenerative agriculture, permaculture, soil, soil biology, mycology, you know, fungus and stuff like that. If it has anything to do with growing anything, it's in this, it's a book that I've read and it's in this thread. All right. So that's the way that this works. Where is it now? Well, Rafa, <clears throat> uh, one of my, one of my uh, compatriots over there on uh, Noster has used satellite.earth to um, build build a permies community. It's in forward slash permies. So what the hell am I talking about here? Okay, satellite.earth is fast becoming one of my absolute favorite Noster clients. And it demonstrates something that's very important to understand about Noster, the protocol. You can build anything you want on Noster depending on your imagination. Right. So, yes, when you know, we, when we all first started getting into Noster, what did every client look like? Twitter, you know, except for Astral. I, I think it was Astral.ninja that looked more like Telegram, uh, but it all used the Noster protocol. Right. It's how the information is presented to you visually on a screen that determines what it actually looks like. And you can use the Noster protocol to make things look like Reddit. That's right. And that's what Satellite.Earth kind of does. That's not all it does. It's a full-blown client. It's just that it has communities where you can join a community. And there are several communities. There's a community for Thai-speaking people. There's a community for permaculture people, and that's in Permies. There's a like an in forward slash. I, well, actually, hold on. Let me, let me, go, let me go look. Uh, there's in forward slash uh, Aussies or ostriches for, you know, uh, Australian ostriches. There's in forward slash Michigan Bitcoiner for Michigan Bitcoiners, I guess. There's in forward slash art. The thing about it is, is that it uses the Nostra protocol. So it's the way that the information and the notes are arranged and how you interact with the protocol, given the client that you're using that determines the experience that you get out of it. Now, so I'm including the in permies or the, the book thread uh, 
address for satellite.earth in the show notes. So if you want to go see it, you can go see it there. But see, that here's the thing. <coughs> when I'm in, in forward slash permies and I, you know, start putting, you know, adding books to the thread and their book reviews and the pictures of the book. And uh, I usually include a link or, uh, well, I always include a link of where to go buy it, but usually those links are to a place called book people, my favorite bookstore in Austin, rather than an Amazon.com link to buy that book because Amazon doesn't need your money. It doesn't need any more of your money. Go buy it from another bookstore for God's sakes. And that's why I put in the book people links. So you can go buy it. You, I, I give some, some you know, uh, re, I don't really review the whole book as much as give you some general thoughts of what it's about, what you're going to get from it. I give you some pictures of it, picture of the author, picture of the book, some of the things that are inside, some quotes. And people have really enjoyed this thread over the years. And of course, it's dead now on Dead Bird Site because, well, we won't get into that. But um, I'm reconstructing the whole thing on satellite.earth in forward slash permies. Okay, so give satellite.earth a look. Don't don't sleep on this particular client because we're now we're starting to see imagination bloom and blossom in the Nostra space as far as what different kinds of clients can be built, what different kind of user experiences can be built with the exact same protocol. And like I said, or what I was about to say and didn't get to because, you know, something shiny happened. Um, when I post any of these books, uh, like any of the, when I update the thread and add a new book with new pictures, that's just a note. So guess where you get to see that note if you don't go to Satellite Earth? If you follow me on any Nostra client, you're going to see it because it's, a, it's an, an event, just like any other event. And if it's it's a long format event, so there are a lot of there. Well, not a lot. There are some clients that don't look at those. So if you're on those clients, you probably won't see it. But if you're on something like Domus or Primal.net on desktop or something, you're going to see that note. You'll have no idea that it came from Satellite.Earth. It's a, I'm using Satellite.Earth, you know, in forward slash permies to help me keep that organized because I cannot pin a note to my profile on Domus nor in Primal.net. And it's just, it, I tried doing it on Primal or on, on uh, Domus or no, with something else. I can't remember what I, I was trying some someplace else before, some other client. And the thread just fell apart and I wasn't able to keep it up. But the in permies and the satellite.earth format is going to help me keep and uh, keep my yeah, my shit straight so that I can put all these books into this thread because I've got like 45, if not 55 books to put into this thing. So if you want to have a, a library or potential library of books, it's about soil and agriculture and pasture and agroforestry and raising cattle on pasture and I don't know, soil biology and fungus and all that kind of good stuff. This thread is for you. Now let's go right down south. What happened down south in Argentina? Well, apparently a pro-Bitcoin candidate by the name of Javier Miley snags the primary presidential elections in Argentina. Congratulations to Javier. Coindesk Andres uh, Engler has this one. Javier Miley a libertarian candidate who has advocated for the elimination of the central bank and spoken favorably of Bitcoin, won the primary presidential election in Argentina. With 90% of the vote counted, 
melee of the La Libertad Avanza, otherwise known as Freedom Advances Party, had 30.5% of the votes versus candidates from Juntos por la Cambrio and Unidos por la Patria, who received 28 and 27% respectively. Pre-election polls suggest Melee would finish no higher than third in today's vote. Hold on. Something weird. Something weird. All right, never mind. Um, <clears throat> the... <clears throat> The central bank is a scam, he said, a mechanism by which politicians cheat the good people with inflationary tax. Regarding Bitcoin, he said that it, quote, represents the return of money to its original creator, the private sector. While having a favorable attitude towards the crypto, oh God, the crypto, Melee has not advocated for Bitcoin's use as legal tender within Argentina, similar to El Salvador. Instead, Melee has called for a dollarization of the economy, which currently is dealing with a triple-digit rate of inflation. With no candidate likely to obtain more than 45% of today's polling, a general election among the winner for each party will be held in October. If no one receives 45% in that vote, a final runoff vote will be held in November. All right, so we got this dude down in Argentina that has spoken favorably about Bitcoin, but definitely disfavorably about the central bank, uh, winning the primary presidential election, which is not, you know, we got to go to, they got to go to another vote or whatnot. But um, this guy kind of came out of nowhere in, in a very real sense. I hadn't heard anything about him. I'm trying to keep track of what's going on with anybody that has anything to say about Bitcoin in in Latin America, this dude totally not on my radar, came out as stealth mode and just laid it all down. But check this out. The minute he wins this, Argentina raises the interest rate and devalues its peso after the shock primary election. This is out of Reuters. Let's see what this one has to say. Buenos Aires, on August the 14th, which is today, Argentina's central bank will raise the benchmark interest rate to 118%. Yeehaw! From 97% previously, an official source said on Monday, adding the country's currency will be devalued to 350 pesos per dollar in the aftermath of a shock primary election. Sunday's primary vote, seen as a reliable bellwether for the upcoming presidential elections, propelled ultra-right libertarian outsider Javier Millet, who wants to axe a central bank and dollarize the economy, to first place with some 30% of the vote. The official peso plunged nearly 18% on Monday morning to just over 350 pesos per dollar, and the source said that the exchange would be fixed at this rate until the October presidential vote. Latin America's third largest economy is battling a severe economic crisis with sky-high inflation and dwindling central bank reserves. So that was their reaction to raise the interest rate to 118% from 97. Dude, that's that's like that's one hell of a raise. I guess they got their panties in a snit that the guy that wants to uh shit can their entire organization just I don't know, pulled the rug out from under everybody. And now we leave Latin America. We're going to go across the Pacific. We're going to go over to China, where a Chinese man is sentenced to nine months in prison for buying $13,000, well, 13000 USDT. Cointelegraph, Zijuan Sun is writing it. 
An individual identified only as Mr. Chen has been convicted by the Fuzhou My Way People's Protectorate on charges of offense of concealment and concealment of crime for purchasing 94,988 Chinese won worth of tether for an acquaintance. According to the local news reports, Mr. Chen was contacted by Mr. Lin, his acquaintance, around February 2022 to post his bank card details on social media app WeChat. Mr. Chen subsequently received seven fiat Chinese yuan transfers from Mr. Lin, which Mr. Chen used to purchase USDT. The stable coins were then sent back to Mr. Lin. Through the process, Mr. Chen earned a total commission of about $20 U.S. Commenting on the matter, the Fuzhou Mayway People's Protectorate stated, quote, con artists use virtual currency to transfer and launder stolen money. This kind of online money laundering in the name of purchasing virtual currency, knowing that others use the information network to commit crimes and providing assistance to them has violated the law. Mr. Fuzhou or the Fuzhou Mayway People's Protectorate subsequently sentenced Mr. Chin to nine months in prison deferred for a period of one year along with a fine of 689 United States dollars or right around 5,000 Chinese won. Since the beginning of the year, Chinese authorities have begun a tough crackdown on cryptocurrency activities in the country. Last week, Jin Feng Sun, political commissar of the Network Security Bureau, said that technologies such as blockchain and AI have been involved in a spree of incidents relating to fraud and data theft. So, yeah, nine months. Now, he doesn't actually, I guess that he's deferred, so he doesn't really have to see the uh, inside of a jail cell. But if you guys are out there in China, you know, probably if you can just buy Bitcoin and hold Bitcoin and don't buy stuff for other people. I mean, God forbid that you just, because you have know how to do something, and somebody else doesn't know how to do something that you, you know, perform a function for him that you get nine months deferred sentence in jail and a, what, a $600 fine or a $700 fine. You know, God forbid, man, God forbid that, you know, people actually try to help a brother out because we're apparently all criminals. So whatever. Now this dude, this next guy, this guy's a criminal. Judge revokes Sam Bakeman-Fried's bail, jailing FTX founder ahead of October trial. Yeehaw. The revocation was handed down during a Friday court hearing dedicated to deciding whether the FTX founder's bail should be pulled. Bakeman-Fried will be held in custody ahead of his impending trial scheduled for October of this year. <coughs> and this was, by the way, this is a uh, Blockworks. Catherine Ross is writing it. In his ruling, Judge Lewis Kaplan reportedly said that there was probable cause to believe that Bankman-Fried had attempted to tamper with the witnesses and therefore violated the terms of his bail. The Department of Justice previously pushed to revoke his bail in late July. The DOJ cited a few instances where Bankman-Fried had violated his bail, with the most recent happening on July the 20th. Federal prosecutors then accused Bankman-Fried of witness tampering after he allegedly attempted to discredit the former head of Alameda, Carolyn Ellison, by leaking her diary entries to the New York Times. However, prosecutors didn't take issue with Bankman-Fried's communications with the press, saying he has the right to speak and defend himself. 
But they allege that Bankman-Fried has repeatedly tried to corruptly influence witnesses and interfere with a fair trial through attempted public harassment and shaming. Last week, the DOJ announced the impending filing of a superseding indictment to incorporate the campaign finance charges, which had previously been dropped into seven existing charges. Quote, The defendant's use of customer deposits to conduct a political influence campaign was part of the wire fraud scheme charged in the original indictment. And as part of the originally charged money laundering scheme, the defendant also concealed the source of his fraudulent proceeds through political straw donations, the DOJ said in a letter. What they're not, okay, that's the end of the the article, but what they're not addressing is the fact that all you know they're they're really not going nobody's really talking about the fact that all the campaign finance charges have been dropped they've been all been dropped no he's not going to see no i mean he is clearly in violation of campaign finance laws but no that's okay no i mean we got laws against that shit but we can just drop him because he's sam pinkman fried so i was wrong this guy is going to see the inside of a jail cell at least for a little bit. What's going to happen at the trial? I don't know. Probably a, even even a more even more of a circus. I don't think I think this will be the last. Okay, I'm I'm just going to put myself out there again, even though I've already been wrong about this once. After this jail cell and after his court trial, I don't think Sam Bankman Fried sees the inside of prison for any real structural amount of time. So if he does get sentenced at all to anything in a federal prison after this trial, I'll bet you my ass it's under one year, which is nothing. Anybody can do one year standing on their head unless they're 99 years old. Bankman Fried's a young man. He can do a year in the clink, no problem. That's not going to readjust his attitude to how he thinks about what is legal what's moral, what's ethical, and in his opinion, what's altruistic, it's just not going to adjust that. He's going to be the same scummy guy that took a whole bunch of people's money, and they're going to let him do it again. You got zombie FTX already on the horizon. It's like, it's like, it's like they're setting up his new condominium for him to go live in after all this crap is done. Nobody learns anything, and he has, he's going to scam again. So just stay away from him (coughs) and anything he touches and you'll be fine. Okay. We've got lightning payments in 2025. We're going to be looking ahead here alongside our friends over at river. And that is river.com forward slash learn. And it's a blog for them, but this is entitled, (coughs) excuse me, looking ahead lightning payments in 2025. The Lightning Network has come a long way since its inception. A wide range of improvements have enabled Lightning payments to work in a nearly seamless manner, (coughs) but not without its challenges. Today, the user experience may not quite be where we want it, but as builders, we like to frame this as a challenge. What must be done to level up the experience? To first address the elephant in the room, A significant portion of transactions on the Lightning Network today are facilitated by custodial wallets. Using Lightning transactions on Noster as a rough assessment of custodial use across the network, approximately 90% of transactions are done through applications where the user trusts a custodian with their keys. Why? 
Why? Why do most users currently offer custodial services? People use them because of the convenience, the simple user experience, and the challenges associated with non-custodial Lightning use. We categorize Lightning's current challenges in three buckets. First is manual effort. If users are required to take more actions than through traditional payment methods to achieve a desired outcome, it could lead to a majority of users losing interest. Some examples of that. Users must be connected at all times to send and receive payments. Users must share invoices with each other out of band via text, email, messaging, etc. to make a pay and, and to make and pay payment request, which is a cumbersome process. And then there's users who operate their own Lightning node. They must be able to allocate Bitcoin across different channels. Opening channels to peers not actively maintaining their nodes and channels could result in funds being stuck in a limbo state. This is the opportunity cost of capital on Lightning. If your capital is allocated to an unresponsive peer, that capital cannot be used to route other payments and generate returns. I. So there's all that. And now we have this, the technical expertise. You know, these issues require an in-depth knowledge of Lightning and or interrelated protocols, which the average Lightning users will likely not pursue because it takes a degree of technical competency to set up a Lightning node. A node operator must balance liquidity with their channels. Should a payment fail or get stuck, a node operator must be comfortable troubleshooting issues via a command line interface. God, ugh. Backing up a node is complicated. Node operators need to store both their seed and their channel states or risk having existing channels closed if they lose connectivity. And then there's technical deficits. Lightning's technology isn't fully developed. Some technical problems still need to be solved. We, we, don't, we, we have yet to have a standardized user-friendly way to send payments to each other that does not rely on a centralized server. Like, you know, examples are of a unified QR code or a PayNim type of experience. LNURL and Lightning addresses are options, although these are workarounds as they still rely on someone running a server somewhere. Since a Lightning node must always be online, the signing keys must also be online. Otherwise, you know, in other words, they're hot. And this poses immediate security concerns at any scale. The cost of opening and closing channels is directly related to on-chain fees. During periods of high fee demand or high demand, fees rise quickly, making channels expensive. To avoid this, a user should set up channels ahead of fee spikes, although deciding when to open channels is a non-trivial decision. Yeah, privacy on Lightning is being suboptimal. Like when you request a payment on the Lightning Network, you always disclose information such as the node's IP address. While senders generally have better privacy than receivers, they also expose information in the course of a transaction. Based on how Lightning nodes communicate with each other, a third party can easily determine the UTXO associated with the on-chain channel funding transaction. At scale, this surveillance behavior can have a de-anonymizing effect on the network. So with all that said, what could Lightning look like when most, if not all of the above problems are solved? Splicing makes Lightning invisible to the user. We expect that splicing will be implemented in a majority of Lightning wallets in the coming years. But what does this mean for network participants? Node operators will be able to add and remove funds from a channel without overpaying on-chain fees instead of having to close, close and then reopen channels to achieve the desired size. 
Because channel resizing becomes affordable, node operators or software acting on their behalf would have greater control to manage their channels, which in turn would make payments succeed more often. Lightning service providers would benefit in a similar way from the reduced costs of channel resizing and could provide an increased level of user privacy. Lightning service providers that seek to optimize user privacy could combine user funds into a single batch channel open transaction to obfuscate the source of the fund's origination. When splicing becomes the norm and moving between Lightning and Bitcoin is cheap and easy, wallets would display a unified balance because to a user, there will be no longer a distinction between on and off-chain funds. In a scenario where on-chain fees are high, LSPs could manage users' channels cheaply by combining splicing with atomic rebalancing on side chains like Liquid, for example. <coughs> LSPs could become an instrumental component of user experiences in the near future due to their ability to abstract away complexities from users. Additionally, LSPs reduce the capital requirements for running a node. They can serve as a user's portable portal to the network. The magic of Lightning is its instant settlement, but failed payments and other points of tension cripple a user's experience. By LSPs operating infrastructure like servers and or the node itself, users can interface with Lightning in a straightforward manner. LSPs could remove user interaction with infrastructure by offering a node in the cloud model where the user still retains control over their funds, but does not interface on the node. They could also offer a light version of the service that consumes less battery on mobile or a combination of both models. If more capital is to move on to Lightning, users must be able to restore their node or wallet in a way that is familiar to them, like entering a series of 12 or 24 words into an application. Service providers allow users to store an encrypted backup of their Lightning wallet in the cloud. In the event that the user's device breaks or is otherwise compromised, the encrypted cloud backup could be easily imported to a new device. If a person has to take additional steps to benefit from Bitcoin, chances are they will drop off at some point in the adoption process. In the context of a current problem that needs a solution, LSPs could solve always online requirements by accepting payments for offline users pushing the user experience closer to existing payment solutions. As more funding becomes available for Bitcoin developers, more solutions are likely to emerge that enable users to independently accept payments without leveraging external services. Present-day payment IDs like Lightning addresses are serviceable but custodial in almost every case. Users should be able to exchange reusable QR codes to receive payments without the reliance on a third party. Reusability is crucial. Copying, pasting, and sending invoices to counterparties is too many steps. The availability of a simple solution would provide benefits to all Lightning users. Privacy is a standard on Lightning. Let's get into the privacy aspect here. For, you know, for user privacy to become standard feature on Lightning, the technologies that enable it must be invisible to the user, meaning that the user would not need to take any action to benefit from it. Application developers and service providers must make decisions behind the scenes that, for example, separate on-chain transactions from lightning transactions, among other things. It will become difficult 
to assess whether an on-chain transaction is a lightning channel open or close as new technologies will increasingly make them look exactly the same as any other Bitcoin transaction. As more taproot technologies are implemented, features like signature aggregation can hide information about a payment channel and how many users might be involved in the transaction. Users could gain more privacy when they make payments outside of their peer group if Taproot is widely implemented in wallets. And at present, there is one payment ID which is known by each intermittent node on the route to the destination. Aspects of how Taproot handles signatures can be used to create a dummy payment ID along the route so that only the sender and the receiver have a clear understanding of the payment. A Lightning user should not need to care or even know about the exact route their payment takes to each of its intended destinations, but currently nodes along the payment path can see where the payment was sent from. Through the Canadian Freedom Convoy saga, we have seen that governments can and will seize funds, close fiat bank accounts, and otherwise censor individuals who speak out against them. LSPs could anonymize the source of a lightning transaction by offering a service where they serve as a route-building middleman. This way, the LSP knows only the portion of the route it constructs, and the sender knows the other portion. Intermediate nodes in the destination point would be blind to the totality of the route. This model would provide robust security, and the user wouldn't need to be involved at all. Lightning levels up e-commerce. Vendors could offer their customers a return period for transactions done over Lightning. Customers would pay a special kind of invoice at checkout, but retain the ability to revoke the transaction until the time at which goods or services is rendered. This was previously impossible to do on Lightning. Security is the key to institutional adoption. In order for more institutions to join the Lightning Network, it needs to be easy to move funds from offline cold storage into a Lightning channel. Taproot channels enable this use case without compromise on security. Additionally, it will become safer for institutions to hold large amounts of funds on Lightning. They will be able to use specialized devices that help protect them from the risks of internet-connected wallets. So, in conclusion... Lightning has demonstrated its usefulness in conducting payments with instant settlement, but we should acknowledge that it does indeed have pain points. Even so, network participants should feel optimistic about the progress being made in solving UX hurdles. Some of the world's most talented developers are working tirelessly to enhance the experience. As more technological solutions arise, the more capital is invested in the network. It is likely that Lightning service providers will take a larger role in abstracting complexities away from end users. Advancements in technology will similarly benefit self-hosted users and move the entire network closer to, uh, well, an it-just-works experience. This is There's much to be excited about in Lightning. All of the future state projections in this article were informed by solutions being worked on today. The more developers and entrepreneurs focused on optimizing user experience, the more participants and capital join the network and the better everyone's experience will get. Okay, yeah, that's that's a long one out of river, but there's been a lot of people... That's real have been belly aching about the lightning network. And some of them have some good points. I, I get it. I did not receive a hundred thousand Satoshi boost from uh Friday show uh, episode seven, seven, one. 
I know that it was supposed to be that it was that they were going to send it because on fountain it showed up as a hundred thousand sat boost. And excitedly, I went over to my lightning node, which is where all this stuff lands in the first place. And I looked through my transaction history and guess what? It ain't there. It didn't make it. It was a, it was a failed payment. Now, last week I also said, Hey, you know, lightning works for me all the time, except for the times that it doesn't, in which case I just resend the payment. But I like, if I'm boosting somebody through fountain, I don't know if it failed. Some people get a message that their payment failed on, on fountain or some, or maybe it's not because maybe it's because it's through some other podcasting 2.0 app. I don't know. Right. But some people know that they had a failed payment, but other people, and this is most of the, most of my experience in, in getting boost in fountain that never really hit my lightning node. They don't know that it failed. I have to tell them that it failed. And they're not actually, you know, they're not keeping a checkbook on their lightning wallet. They're just like, I mean, the next time they open up their wallet, they see like they got 4,689,212 sats. And they don't, they don't know that, that they were, that they were supposed to subtract a hundred thousand sats from that. So the unit of account part of Bitcoin, when it comes to the lightning network, gets a little fuzzy, man. It gets a little fuzzy because, you know, they did, they didn't know it just, got right back to their wallet. It went right back to their balance because it is a failed payment. I was all happy and I'm the one that's sad because I didn't get the 100,000 sats, but I also have to recognize where we are. We are so early, it's painful. All right, it's painful. Now, all that said, it turns out the Custodia Bank is now accepting US dollar deposits and adding Bitcoin custody. So Caitlin Long rolling right along. Pedro Salomano is having is writing this one for Decrypt. Crypto-friendly bank Custodia announced on Friday that it's now accepting dollar deposits and will soon custody Bitcoin for customers in select U.S. states. The financial institution is now also providing customers with U.S. government money market fund services. What does it mean? Quote, we got our bank regulator's approval to take customer funds, Caitlin Long, Custodia's CEO, told Decrypt. She emphasized that, quote, the bar is very high for banks to launch, and we cleared it. Congratulations, Caitlin Long and Custodia Bank. I know some people are not all that happy about Custodia Bank. I, I am. She's done some amazing, some amazing work in the state of Wyoming, and I think kudos and congratulations should go out to Caitlin Long. So congrats. Caitlin, for long, despite the fact that there is a lot of regulatory theater in the industry, the need for regulated custodians, namely banks, is the way. She told Decrypt that Custodia has always believed the custodians in this industry will ultimately be banks for the same reason that the custodians in the securities industry are banks, not trust companies, not other non-bank entities, end quote. According to the company's Twitter account, Custodia is only available to business customers as of right now and is not ready to operate in all 50 states, posting that they are opening slowly and carefully. The route that Custodia is taken, it, taking is the opposite of the crypto industry's ethos of moving fast and breaking things, says Long, due to the fact that banks offer customers superior protections to non-banks. Today's announcement was drenched in a celebratory tone, noting that they had completed a long list of tax w tasks which aren't even required anymore. Although Custodia takes the win today, 
It is still currently pursuing a lawsuit against the Federal Reserve over its repeated denials of the bank's application to join Fedwire, citing significant safety and soundness risks. Getting access to Fedwire, however, would open the doors to a network that processed more than one quadrillion dollars in transactions last year alone. Long has previously told Decrypt that the Fed has become an unmovable mountain calling out the institution for being un-American and not enforcing the law in its new FedNow payment service. What's to come? According to Long, Custodia is just awaiting final regulatory clearance to launch its Bitcoin custody service, which it's on our 6 to 12 month roadmap, she anticipated. So again, congratulations to Custodia and Caitlin Long. Let's run the numbers. All right, here we have the numbers. We'll start as normal. West Texas Intermediate Crude Oral is down 1.14% to 82.24. Brent North Sea down 1.85 and 98 cents. Natural gas is up a quarter of a point to 277. That's $2.77 per thousand. And gasoline is down almost two and a half, back down to $2.89 a gallon. Gold and the other rocks are doing uh, pretty poorly today. Gold is down 0.1% to 1944 bucks and 30 cents. Silver's down 0.15. Platinum is down almost a point. Copper is up by a quarter and palladium is down two and a half. Uh, ag is mostly in the red today. Biggest loser is coffee, 3.27 to the downside. Biggest winner today is going to be your soybeans, one and a half to the upside. I got the, woo, no, where, oh, there they are. Live cattle is down a quarter. Oh, man. Lean hogs down 2.8%. Feeder cattle down over a half. Dow is down 0.16. However, <clears throat> S&P is up a quarter. NASDAQ is up 0.63%. S&P mini is down a tenth of a point. Real money chilling out at 29,639 cents. I guess the news of Argentina's president thing finally hit China. Um, if you haven't listened to the show, you, you if you haven't listened to the show, then you don't realize that every once in a while, I'm always waiting for people in China to wake up to news before I figure out what the hell I'm going to do, which is generally buy more Bitcoin and hold more Bitcoin. In either event, let's continue. We've got an average transaction value of 0.22 BTC, a median transaction value of nine cents. No, seriously, it's like point zero 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 three three BTC is the average or the median transaction value. But block times are smoking fast, bro. Eight minutes and 44 seconds. We've got point one BTC taken in fees on a per, bla- per block basis and a measly 17 taken overall in the last 24 hours. However, with a 2.5% drop in hash rate, we're only at 386 exahashes per second, according to bitinfocharts.com. We'll have to rectify that with a lightning fast block times. Uh, Dogecoin, your uh, shitcoin indicator is 7.5 United States pennies. So that's what the rest of the field is doing. <coughs> we got a $576.7 billion market cap. That's 4.5% of gold's market cap. And you can get 15.6 ounces of shiny metal rocks with your one Bitcoin, of which there are 19,456,930.57 of. And 4,712 of those are in the Lightning Network. 
All right, let's go over. Let's get right on over to the mempool. It's uh, it's still built up a little bit. We're looking at about 135, 136 blocks or something like that, uh, carrying almost 400,000 unconfirmed transactions waiting to clear. <clears throat> High priority transactions are going for the low, low price of 11 Satoshis per V-byte and 10 for the low priority uh, uh, transaction fee. However, if you have made a transaction and you paid anything under 5.29 Satoshis per V-byte, you're going to get purged out of the mempools around the country. Now, let's see what mempool has to say about hash rate. See, mempool.space is saying that hash rate is 439.2 exahashes per second. That would account for seriously low block times not the 386 uh, that uh, the other number suggested. So I'm going to go with 439.2 exahashes per second. Uh, I am so far off of the charts right now in Fountain, I'm not even going to worry about it. This is the guy that I was telling you about. Letter 6173 sent me 100,000 sats, which I did not get. Letter, if you heard that, go check where you sent that from. Look for a failed payment. Make absolutely certain that you got your 100,000 sats back before you even do anything else. Please, 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 please don't just resend it. Make sure that you've got it because 100,000 sats is actually quite a bit of money when we're talking about it. He said, why was the Bitcoin miner always in trouble? Because he was smoking hash. Get it? Uh, Dirty Jersey Whore with 19760 says, thesplitkit.com will build the value time split for you. You just need to be able to edit your RSS feed. It works for Wavelake Music also. At Stephen B is doing amazing things over there. Y'all be good. Okay, guys, go to thesplitkit.com. That is thesplitkit.com if you uh, want to... uh, Start doing some some funky things with splitting, uh, zapping, and stuff like that. Who do we got? JSRPR178 with 1200 says, thanks for the good music about Oliver. Uh, at BTC, Brandonchi. Brandonchi? Yeah, 1000 says, appreciate the rip. Nah, man, I appreciate you for listening. Dubrovko with 1000 with Iris. You can develop the zap and copy the, I forget the word for it, log HT. Ning transaction, um, copy the transaction or camera, click it, and then pay it out of the Lightning Wallet application. Pies with 500 says top 10 LFG. We didn't make it, Pies, but I appreciate you, brother. God's Death with 370 says cheers. Thank you, sir. No, thank you. Wild Hustle with 100 says LFG. We didn't. A pipe bomb with 100. I can't read the emoji. Uh, Noster Gang says good morning and PV with 100 and Pies with 100 says thank you sir no thank you and that's going to do it for the weather report Welcome to part 2 of the news that you can use the SEC decision on Bitcoin ETFs won't leave out Wall Street Giants Anna Paula Pereira with Coin from Cointelegraph.com brings us this one. The Securities and Exchange Commission <clears throat> delay in deciding whether to approve a spot Bitcoin exchange traded fund in the United States is fueling expectations that a final verdict will come in a batch that includes key players on Wall Street, including BlackRock and Fidelity. Quote, 
There's a tremendous amount of pressure on the SEC to approve a number of these ETFs, particularly because the approved futures-backed products are lagging spot performance, substantially harming investors. Markets veteran and co-founder of CoinRoutes, Dave Weitzberger, told Cointelegraph, adding that all pending applications will likely be included in a final decision. The SEC is analyzing a total of eight applications for a spot Bitcoin ETF following past delays and denials on the crypto product in recent years. Companies up for a decision are ARK Invest and 21 Shares, Bitwise, BlackRock, VanEck, WisdomTree, Invesco, Galaxy Digital, Fidelity, and Valkyrie. Together, the firms manage over $15 trillion in global assets. Yeah, and BlackRock is about 10 of those trillion. And all the other seven account for the next five. It's that BlackRock one that we're really looking at. On August the 11th, the U.S. markets regulator opened a 21-day comment period for the ARK 21 shares Bitcoin ETF. As per the filing, the SEC is seeking answers on whether ARK 21 shares proposal is designed to prevent fraudulent and manipulative acts and practices, as well as whether the Bitcoin market is susceptible to manipulation. Furthermore, the regulator raised concerns about Coinbase's surveillance sharing agreement, asking commenters to examine whether Coinbase's participation in the ETF surveillance would, in fact, help to detect, investigate, and deter fraud and manipulation of Bitcoin's price. Quote, the SEC's main concern about spot crypto ETFs is about the potential market manipulation by a big whale. Theoretically, it can happen if the SEC approves the ETFs of one or two investment funds. But if it decides to register all eight ETFs, it will sharply mitigate the probability of manipulation. Because these firms will be able to trade with each other frequently, taking opposite sides, explained Ruslan Linka, Chief of Markets at UHODLER. Okay, whatever. (laughs) The delay had a lesser impact on Bitcoin's price, hovering around the $30,000 market at the time of writing. According to Mauricio D. Bartolomo, co-founder of crypto lending platform Ledin, traders and investors are expecting the SEC to take all the time they could with today's decision having a low impact in terms of market expectations. The SEC still has two deadlines before a final decision is made. The third deadline for the ARC 21 shares application is due by January the uh, January 2024. Valkyrie has the latest application in line with two upcoming deadlines in January and March of next year. The BTC ETF outcome could reshape the crypto investment landscape. According to Lincoln Ha, a unapproval could potentially bring over $70 billion in liquidity to the Bitcoin market. Quote, the opportunity to invest in Bitcoin through ETFs <clears throat> will give regular investors more confidence as with professional help they don't have to dive into all the technical details and analyze potential risks all by themselves okay so the gist of this is the fact that the suggestion is being made here that if they approve one or deny one they're going to do it to the entire basket of spot etfs in the same announcement they either all go or they all don't go. But they're all going to be they're all going to have a decision made. I suppose that they could also say, look, these four aren't they're not going to make it, but we are going to approve these other four. That's the a highly unlikely outcome because almost all of them have the exact same language about the surveillance sharing agreement. They they 
basically directly lifted from the, uh, well, from the copy out of BlackRock's ETF filing. Right, so they're all basically the same. They all basically have the, either the same problem or they have no problems at all. So I get the feeling that this part, you know, this article is suggesting that they either all go or they all not go. Let's see what Nicholas Morgan from Decrypt has to say about the same thing. <clears throat> well, at least the attorney that he's uh, talking about, John Reed, former SEC attorney John Reed Stark says that the SEC will not approve a Bitcoin spot ETF. So taking the other side, we got this one. The Securities and Exchange Commission is unlikely to relent in its opposition to exchange-traded funds in Bitcoin spot markets, despite filings from high-profile Wall Street giants, according to former SEC attorney John Reed Stark. Quote, my take is that the current SEC will not approve a Bitcoin spot ETF application for a range of compelling reasons, said Stark, who formerly headed the SEC's Office of Internet Enforcement in a Sunday post on Twitter. To support his argument, Stark referred to a comment letter to the SEC from the Washington-based nonprofit Better Markets that urged the agency to reject a proposed rule change that would make it easier to list shares from a Bitcoin ETF. Better Markets, which has frequently backed the SEC's approach to regulating the crypto industry, echoed much of the agency's previous stances against a spot ETF, arguing that Bitcoin markets were prone to market manipulation, are too concentrated, and overly, <coughs> excuse me, overly reliant on a select group of individuals and entities to maintain Bitcoin's network, end quote. Since... 2013, the SEC has blocked applications for a Bitcoin ETF on these grounds, but has allowed ETFs in Bitcoin futures markets to operate. Oh, joy. In June, BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, filed an application for a spot Bitcoin ETF, and it was quickly joined by other big Wall Street players. In his Twitter thread, Stark also made predictions around the future of SEC crypto regulation after the upcoming 2024 presidential election. Now check this out. I'm pausing. To, we're about to break into some, some, like, here's your standard BS, mainstream media, mainlining the, the hopium of trying to destroy the other side. How do I, what do I mean? Check out this paragraph. If a Republican candidate wins, Stark said that it was likely that a GOP-led administration would take a friendlier stance on crypto, including making it easier to get approval for a spot ETF. He also predicted that many enforcement actions pursued by the SEC would grind to a screeching halt if only a Republican majority takes shape atop the agency. Stark has frequently riled up many on crypto Twitter with his sometimes harsh criticism of the industry and has publicly argued with its players. In May, Stark engaged in a back and forth with Tether's chief technology officer, Paolo Ordoino, over his criticism of the stablecoin issuer over what he characterized as its opaque financial statements and lamented the lack of regulations from the government. Though he acknowledged some of Arduino's defenses, he claimed that only beneficiaries for crypto are grifters and criminals in the developed world, of course. A month later, <clears throat> Reed questioned the viability of the blockchain technology that undergirds cryptocurrencies, sparking a debate with crypto investor Mark Cuban, who defended the industry. So it, it was a really, it, a really bad way to end the article because it just kind of says, it, they just kind of stopped writing, it seemed, but 
it's the it's the part about the Republicans, right? That it, it's almost as if the, it's almost as if this entire article is saying, yeah, you can't do it with the Democrats. But now you put the Republicans in there now. By God, you'll be able to get yours by Bitcoin ATF. But, well, you know what? I'm just the whole blue versus red thing is is over. It has been over for me for a very long time. I don't trust any of them. I don't care what color they are. I don't care if you're red, yellow, green, blue, purple. I don't I don't care if you're a political party. I don't trust you. You've given me no reason to trust you, right? But I just found it amazing that it was like, well, vote Republican if you want a Bitcoin spot ETF. I, I honestly don't believe that that, I don't believe that there's any better chance that a Republican-led anything is going to give us a spot Bitcoin ETF rather than a Democrat-led anything else. I don't think that has anything to do with it. The same people that are regulating the political landscape th- regulate the financial markets. It's those guys that make all the the decisions now. They have been for a long time. It's just that our eyes are slowly opening to the fact that most of this is kind of a sham. You know, we're told on the on by the talking heads, hey, you know that you just go out there and vote, vote harder, vote as hard as you can, and everything going to be just fine. And it never is. And we're going to get a spot Bitcoin ETF if only a Republican gets in the office. Probably not, because Bitcoin ETFs kind of they eviscerate a fair amount of control for the people that are closest to the money spigot we get sound money that money spigot that doesn't need to to flow as much it's a paradigm shift and whether it's good for humanity or bad for humanity these people don't care they don't want anything to change so i don't i just the whole sit paragraph about it, how GOP is going to save the day. If only they're in office, then you'll get your spot. I don't, I, I just don't buy it, man. So I just thought I'd bring that to you because it's like playing partisan politics when we're all we're really trying to do is, is stop them from being able to print our money into oblivion. It's kind of disingenuous and I don't really like it all that much and neither does the underclass. Let's take a listen. <laughs> Don't you start, don't you 
That was the song entitled The Underclass from the band. Entitled The Underclass, I guess from their album Longy, L-O-N-G-Y. Where did I get it? I got it from Wavelake. Uh, the song, and from that song, you'll be able to get to the rest of their stuff over on Wavelake, will be included in the show notes. Yes, I understand that some people are having problems with the show notes. It depends on It depends on what podcasting app you're using. If it's on Fountain, none of the none of the links work. Okay, if you're using the Fountain app on on your iPhone, and I, that's what I use. All right, so I'm not saying go away from Fountain. I'm just saying that I understand that they have some issues with the way they parse stuff. But if you look at the show notes on several other clients, all the links work just fine. So if you even if you have to go to to like I don't know Apple Podcast or something like that, the links are fine over there. Go support the guys. Go support the underclass. They're putting their music out there. They're putting themselves out there. They put out, how many songs did they put out on this? Uh, let's see, six. No, shit. Sorry, they got 10. Um, Is that right? Yeah, they put out, they put out 10 songs. So man, that's, that's honestly, that's pretty cool. Um, and they put it all out of Wavelake, which means that the only way they're getting revenue is if you go over to the Wavelake and boost them. Right, and one of these days, uh, when I, I get some time and maybe work with this uh, split bit kit or the or the split kit, uh, maybe I can maybe I can work it out to where I don't even have to blink twice. And when you're listening to that song, if you're streaming me Satoshi's or boosting or something like that, that it all goes over to the band that I'm playing. I really want to do that. I want to bring music back. I want to help be one of the people that resurrect the music industry from the rubble that has occurred. Post Napster. And I'm not even blaming Napster. I'm blaming the reaction to Napster. And if you weren't around in those times, think of the drummer for Metallica, Lars Ulrich, wearing a suit, crying in front of Congress about he ain't got no money. And he flew to Washington, D.C. to make that protest on his private jet. 
I'm not saying that you shouldn't get something for your money. But when you shut down, when you are the cause of shutting down almost every avenue of, of you know, revenue for every other artist, it, it just, it, what happened to the music industry because Lars and the rest of those guys, they screamed and bitched so, so loudly that what the music industry became is nothing like it was in, in back in the past. There's almost no good music that's coming out that's good, that doesn't sound like everything else that you already heard. I have if I wanted if I want something different, I gotta go over to Wave Lake. And I hope you do too. So go go support the underclass because we are all the underclass. Now check it out. Imp chat mobile app to bring private group messaging to Noster. We got some Noster news here from nobsbitcoin.com. ImpChat is a revolutionary mobile application that brings private group messaging to Noster. ImpChat embodies a fusion of privacy, surveillance, resistance, and user control, delivering a unique messaging experience over an open distributed network. The application harnesses cutting-edge techniques, including group message identity, decoupling, and variable message padding, along with end-to-end encryption. This combination shields your individual and group chats from external scrutiny, adding a robust layer of privacy to the Open Nostra network. Advanced features include disappearing messages, enable you to determine the lifespan and future retrievability of your messages. Although the message is public, it is securely encrypted using user B's public keys. Excuse me, public key. This ensures that only user B, who holds the corresponding private key, can decrypt the message. Subsequently, all group members will start listening for any events published using this shared key pair by subscribing to the public key. They will then have the ability <coughs> ability to encrypt their individual Nostra messages using the group, group's shared key pair, securing their communications within the group. I love this. Request early access to ImpChat on test flight in the following link or retweet this. Uh, invitations will be sent this summer prior to public release on iOS or Android. So the way that I'm I'm reading this is that this is from Impervious, the guys that make the Impervious browser, and they've made Imp Chat, IMP Chat, and it uses the Nostra protocol. Okay, so maybe it's just for chatting, and you don't see any of the other event types, just chat. And this is the first time I've seen somebody be able to functionally give me a good roadmap to group chats, which we still don't have, or at least not that I've been aware of. We certainly don't have it on Domus. I ain't got it on Primal, right? I would love to be in group chats again. Like the taco, the old taco plebs group chat on uh, Twitter was insane. It was so much fun, but we don't have it yet. And it looks like these uh, these people have figured it out. I cannot freaking wait until that comes out. Now, this one is interesting. Owen. Owen, if you're out there listening to me, man, uh, it's not just that you had the idea and 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 it's now like it's now being produced. It's that you immediately gave credit to the guy that brought your idea to life. Sometimes it takes two people. It's got the guy with the idea, the structure of what something should look like, and the dude with the expertise that can make it happen. And the guy that made it happen 
is at F-F-A-E-X on Nostra. That's F-F-A-E-X on Nostra. Let me read you the whole thing and we'll get into what's going on here. This is the note from Owen 15 hours ago. Event Zapper. That's the name of the whole thing we're talking about. It's an event zapper. Brief background. I can't code. So about a month ago, I posted a bounty on bouncer.org for an idea called Event Zapper. Zero expectations. Event Zapper could enable conference or meetup attendees to instantly zap the speakers on stage and see their zaps appear in real time on the screen or projector. Think Twitch tips in real life. This idea was inspired by Pablo F7Z zaplife.lol screen at Bitcoin conference 2023. I very roughly sketched out the idea and posted it along with the biggest bounty I could afford, which as a mere pleb was not that much. Well, someone actually started building it. And that someone is the awesome FFAEX. It's so cool to see a personal idea come alive like this. I really hope we can continue to build this out and at some point see more zapping happening in meat space. Note, it doesn't work with mobile screen sizes. Better to try it when you're on a laptop or a desktop. Quick start guide at GitHub Project, uh, github.com forward slash FFAEX forward slash event zapper. Now, let's go there. I've got the GitHub repository for this up right now. Here's the readme. Event zapper, a way to zap speakers at in-person events in real time. During live events, speakers often inspire, entertain, or educate the audience. What if the audience could instantly express their appreciation? This is where Event Zapper comes in. With Event Zapper, attendees can instantly zap the speakers, providing immediate feedback and creating an interactive atmosphere. With Zappy Stage, Event Organizers can bridge the gap between audiences and speakers, making the event more lively, interactive, and memorable. So configuring the event, open the session setup screen, screen, and I've got it right here. We'll go to it so I can describe what I'm seeing. Okay, so I go to event-zapper.vercel.app, event-zapper.vercel.app, and that'll get you there. And then I have on the left-hand side of my screen, and it's bare bones, guys. It's not all pretty, but it is a graphical user interface. On the left-hand side, it says session setup. How many speakers do you have? Well, it says got a box, number of speakers. Okay, I'll put in I'll put in two speakers at this event. On the right-hand side, it says speaker setup. And before I only had one speaker that I could set up, and now I have two. If I change this to three, it adds a third speaker. So now I have three speaker boxes, and each one of the boxes has this in it. In pub or name as one box. In the second box, it says donation in pub. So I could just simply put my in pub in for my speaker setup. Or I can just type in maybe my, my full name, you know, real name, David Bennett. And then my donation pub, I could put in whatever in pub key I want. So I would just put in my NPUB from Noster because I'm set up to receive zaps. So it should just go to whatever wallet is receiving my zaps from Noster. And then I can do the same and say, let's say I put in Pablo's NPUB. I don't even need his permission. I can just drop his NPUB in there. 
Yeah. And then the third one, I'll put in another NPUB, like, I don't know, Rockstar Developers NPUB. I could just drop it in there. Right. And then at that point, when I start presenting, there's a little button here that says present. It changes the screen. And then all of a sudden, it pulls from your Noster NPUB your bio information and puts your, you know, your, your avatar up there as a picture. And then what given your donation pub gives a QR code so that people can donate to that QR code below your picture on the screen. You see where this is going? So let's say I got a Bitcoin meetup and I've got three speakers up there. And let's say somehow or another, I I get Texas slim myself and I don't know, Somebody, somebody local, somebody from uh, like, let's say uh, the guy I know over, I won't say his name, uh, but the guy that I know over in Troy, um, Idaho. And we're sitting and, and we're doing this and we got 15 people in the audience and we're given a talk. Well, on the screen behind us are our three avatars for Noster. And below each of the avatars is our individual donation address. And if you like what I said, you can use my QR code and send 100, 100 sats and it goes to my address. You realize what this could do? You could do this with live music. You go to see your favorite band and on a screen behind the band is like, like the drummer's QR code, the guitarist, the bass player, and the lead singer's QR code. And maybe the lead singer just knocks it out of the park on this one performance. I mean, they just had the night of nights. And if you've ever played in a band for any length of time and you were anywhere close to good and you were playing live all the time, you know what I'm talking about. Some nights were just magic nights and you were lost. You were playing your ass off and you didn't even realize it. And maybe, you know, the, the, the you, maybe the singer or the vocalist had that kind of night. And then all of this, all the people just saw the brilliance and, and like 80%, 90% of all the zaps to the band actually went to the vocalist. Now that could cause some strife. I understand that, but they win the day or at least they win the night. You could do it with a shit. You could even do this with, I don't know, somehow or another, like a system like this could be used kind of for anything. I like farmers, maybe farmers market performances. I mean, any, anything that you've got a live event and you've got more that like, you know, one or more people get at that people are watching at that event. This can be used, whether it's a live music venue, whether it's a Bitcoin meetup, whether it's a conference talk, it doesn't matter, man. And it works. It's rough around the edges, but this thing works. You need to go check this out. The Noster Note, I've got the link to the Noster Note that Owen put out. It will be, again, in the show notes. I've, I've, I, I'm pretty sure that I've um, re-noted this on Noster uh, quite a few times. I will do it again today a, a couple of times. You got to go see this thing and let your own imagination run wild with what you think it might be able to do. And then get a hold of Owen and uh, FFAEZ. Or was that it? FFAEZ, I think. And let them know what you think. Give them your ideas. Please do that. That's the end of the morning roundup.
start Monday out with a joke, but this is not dad says jokes. This is rope ropium. He's at rope <clears throat> over there on Noster. He sent this to me. He says, will glass coffins become popular? Eh, remains to be seen. All right, guys. I hope your week is awesome. If you want to support the show, podcasting 2.0 is the way to go. Just any podcasting 2.0 enabled app, you can go to newpodcastapps.com. That's newpodcastapps.com and find one over there. Boost me, stream me, do all the things. I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.